Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I don't preach this message uh, with a lot of joy. Uh, I don't like to preach on the devil. I've heard all kinds of messages stomp the devil. Uh, the devil can't, devil ain't got no power. Uh, uh, what in hell do you want? Uh, all kinds of messages. What in hell do you want? All kinds of messages about the devil. But I approach this with a certain amount of sincerity and gravity because there is a real plan. If you ever wanted to know how the devil worked, look at his network all around the world through this pandemic. He's separating families. He's separating us from our purposes. He's slowing down education. He's stopping economic flows. This virus is dividing homes. It's killing our loved ones, especially our elderly. It's trying to stop the move of God and the kingdom is suffering violence. But the violent must take it by force. Look at the strategic plan. It's turning Republicans against Democrats. It's turning politics into a force, a weapon. It's causing people to doubt the scientists or science. Uh, some people feel like science and faith can't stay in the same house. I believe they can at times cohabit. We proved it on yesterday. We had a scientist that was on the stage and I'm a man of faith. We didn't fight. We didn't throw rocks at each other. We didn't try to kill, it, kill each other and render each other powerless or try to prove that each other, uh, the other one, the opposite one, as it were, had more or less than the other. We worked together to reveal truth to the nations. And that's what's important. Dr. Allen is not in conflict with the faith that he that was once delivered to the saints. And he knows the numbers. He understands what science is saying. And he's wearing his mask. I don't know how anybody can run their mouth about nothing. You don't have to say I'm standing on faith and I just don't believe in this, that and the other. And I'm not going to wear a mask when you got a scientist that's saying put on your mask. And he has faith as well. We need to work together to really, really show the real enemy that's trying to divide us that doesn't want the kingdom to advance. And I speak of him. His name is Satan. And I want to just bring some things to your attention. I read to you a beautiful passage out of uh, Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus, uh, he just, he was baptized in chapter 3. He's now starting his ministry. He's on one side of town. John the Baptist who paved the way is on the other side. John is still baptizing and Jesus fire is falling from heaven and they're receiving their healing. Demons are screaming during his meetings. Healings are taking place. And John is still baptizing in water. And John came to the understanding that I must decrease and he must increase. I need to put a, 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 a end up in. I need to put a, a vacancy sign on my ministry and start pointing people to Jesus. And there are a lot of people that like to say instead of saying I'm with Jesus, they'll say I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist or I'm Pentecostal. We need to get beyond those denominations and really, really embrace who Jesus is because salvation only comes through Jesus, not through baptism, not through being a part of a church, but 
faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here Jesus is coming on the scene and he's, uh, he's healing the sick. He's, he, miracle signs, amazing miracle signs and wonders are following him. Even John, when he baptized him, John said, uh, there's one coming after me whose shoes and I'm not worthy to unloose. I baptize you with water, but there's a greater one coming after me. And John baptized Jesus in water and saw that a dove, uh, the spirit of God descending upon him in the form of a dove. Glory to God. And God says, and whoever you see my spirit line upon, that is the son of God. John is the one that identified him as he paved the way. Not only was he given the ministry to pave the way for Jesus, to prepare the way of the Lord, but he also was the first one to pronounce, behold. The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And when God has his hands on you, you don't have to wear a shirt saying, this is who I am. I'm Prophet Bobo. I'm Apostle Popcorn. I'm Bishop Bozo. You don't have to say anything like that. What you have to do is to let somebody else point to you and say, that's the bishop or that's the prophet or that's the evangelist. You know why? Because they prophesied to me and things happened. They were the bishop of my soul when I lost my mother and was able to come my spirit they were the evangelists that preached the gospel and I came out of sin let somebody else talk about your spiritual prowess not you yourself and here Jesus is on one side of town John on the other but then John was taken into custody and thrown into prison and while in prison this is why you need to watch that devil while in prison he began to doubt what he saw while in prison, while locked up, he began to doubt what he saw with his own eyes, the word that he heard the father speak himself, the mission that was on his life. The enemy began to separate him from his purpose. So John sent disciples to Jesus to ask him this question. I'll show it to you in a minute. Are you the son of God? Are you the one that's coming for us? Or should we look for another? How do you get there after knowing who Jesus is? How do you doubt your faith? How do you get to a point where you're doubting the things that you believe? Where you're questioning if the Bible is really inerrant or if the Bible is really true or not based on a trial that you're going through or trauma that just occurred in your life. Or because your prayer wasn't answered in the way and manner in which you thought it should be answered. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. That's King James. I like King James. I studied scripture in King James in my early ministry and you can't uh, just get rid of it. I memorized scriptures there. So I like the King James. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent must take it by force. He was pointing out the immense persecution resulting from the gospel of the kingdom being preached as the gospel of the kingdom is being preached a tremendous persecution resulted and satan was putting quite putting quite a, a price a fight to keep uh, israel spiritually blind and so as the gospel is being preached God, the enemy wants to raise the stakes here because he wants to keep the nation blind and not see the great light that's coming. 
And even the one who paved the way, the Bible says the entrance of your word brings light. Even the one who's paving the way, his name is John, begins to doubt the path. And if the enemy can pervert John, they say, I don't really know if he's the one. I don't know if he's really the true and living God. I don't know. I know I've been preaching this stuff, but how could God hijack me and throw me in the prison after I've been serving him for these 33 years, these 30 years? How can he do this to me after 30 years of knowing him, being born or being filled with the spirit while in my mother's womb? My, my God, how can you let me go through this? trial how did I get COVID-19 how did I lose my job why did my husband walk out on me how did I get sick in the midst of this why did my child die and all of a sudden we find ourselves doubting the very God that we've been serving because the enemy knew, the enemy says I need to put up a fight here and if I can divide John and Jesus if I can put a wall between the J's, if I can put a box, hallelujah, or create a gulf where they can't see each other, even though one is waving at the other and the one must decrease and the other increase, the enemy wanted them to doubt their essence. Scripture says that the enemy took Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He took him out into a high mountain. He took him there through his imagination. Watch things that open up your mind. Watch herbs that open up your mind. The enemy can take you to the high mountain. He can take you to the pinnacle of the temple and show you the kingdoms of the world. Who's showing you? Is it God? Well, Satan took Jesus there. He took him there through his imagination. And you got to be very careful about imagination because an unsanctified imagination is an abomination. And he took, takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, tell him to cast himself down, quoted some scriptures to him. But Jesus knew the word. He was the word made flesh. And if you want to combat Satan, you got to be careful even about your religion because he knows just as much word as you know. He can throw the scripture at you or even speak some truth to you, but he will lay something else with it. You need the pure gospel. You need the pure bread with no additives, no preservatives. You don't need to fix it up, make it look like it's different from the bread that was once delivered to the children of Israel. The manna that was sent, glory to God. It's no different from the bread that Moses made sure he dedicated so Aaron and his servants, Aaron and the priesthood could work with. It is no different, glory to God, than the bread that came from heaven. Jesus, glory to God, the son of God, the son of the living God. And in this generation, we don't need to add anything. This ain't wonder. We're not trying to add anything to make the bread look better jesus is the bread and you got to be able to take from him glory to god and get everything he needs read the word you don't need anything else but christ and him crucified <laughs> glory to god thank you jesus the enemy is trying to divide john and jesus and we must settle the issue between john and jesus you're gonna follow jesus or you're gonna follow john john said i must decrease that Christ would increase. So why are we following John if he paved the way for Jesus? And here's the enemy. You got to see this. It's a subtle move here. The enemy is raising the price in the stakes. Because they didn't want Israel to come out of spiritual blindness. 
So he doesn't have a problem with John preaching an antiquated gospel. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Once Jesus showed up, the kingdom is now. It's not at hand. Kingdom now. Say that with me, kingdom now. That means God's influence, God's territories, God's way of doing things are, is implemented now during this time in this season. And we're living in the kingdom now era. Thank you, Lord. And so the enemy tries to raise the stakes. He tries to put up quite a fight because he doesn't want Israel to come out of their spiritual blindness, out of their stupor. Even King Herod arrested John the Baptist and soon he beheaded him. He cut off his head. Now this is a major, major issue here and I want to just park there for a moment because you got to see that when the enemy really want to come against the kingdom, he loves to kill a few. Thank you, Lord. For those of you that think it's, well, if God was really God, why would my, why would so-and-so, why would this one go on to be with the Lord? Well, when you start seeing death, you need to understand that the kingdom is suffering. That the kingdom suffers violence in your life. And the violent must take it by force. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. We came, we looked at verse uh, 7 through 12. Let's go to verse 1. It's on the screen. It reads like this. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished, com finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, verse 3, and said to them, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? And I want you to see this subtle shift now from chapter 3. We just elevated and went to uh, chapter 11. So between chapter 3 and chapter 11, such devastation has happened to this man that he's now even questioning his ministry or his purpose. And if it happened for a man as John the Baptist, why would we think it can't happen to us? The enemy is increasing, and I need to identify this hidden shadow. I need to identify this demonic spirit that's been visiting your house. And he's looking for cracks in your windows. Is your window open? Did you open your window open? Is it open to demonic influences? But how would you know if you don't know scriptures? How would you know if you don't really understand that the enemy will allow you to compromise what you should do or what you know is right in your spirit and have you opening up windows and doors so demonic spirits come in? You don't want the flies to come in, but a, a door, a spiritual door that's open cannot stop the enemy from coming in. You must close the windows and the doors to demonic trafficking. And he is not a literal door window. He can come through your ear gate. He can come through your eye gate. He can come through your mouth. And you need to understand as it goes with your physical house, so is your heart. Your heart has at least three windows and three doors. Through your eyes, through your ears, and through your mouth. Thank you, God. 
Look at the scripture. It came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his, his disciples, the twelve, he went into the cities and began to preach the gospel. And when John heard it, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Verse 4, when Jesus answered and said to them, in other words, go back to John and tell him these words, go tell John the things which you hear and see. In other words, I'm not going to answer his question head on. And one of the things the enemy does right now is try to be real intellectual, real intellectual, trying to answer questions head on or make people doubt their faith. But some things don't need to be in Jesus, even in his teaching, he always used parables. In other words, he wanted to make sure that the truth you get is always unveiled through the Holy Spirit, not through intellect. So he put his truth in a parable. And if the Holy it's real simple if the Holy Ghost pulled back the lid. Oh, I see that. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, it's revelation. It is not so complex that only the intellectuals can get it. And I want to make sure you understand that because demon is intellect. Ah, I'm preaching good. For all of you intellectual folk, it's good to be intellectual, but faith supersedes your intellect. Faith causes you to please God. Faith in God will get you eternal life. Faith in God can heal your body. Faith in God can stop the avenger. Faith in God, blood, faith in the blood, faith in the blood can stop the enemy from coming through your doors. Faith, glory to God, in God can stop the devil in his tracks. Glory to God. Don't let nothing tear down your faith. Glory to God. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said, go and tell John the things that you hear. In other words, I want you to be a reporter for me. I want you to stop trying to be John's disciple. I need you to be my reporters. And there's a lot of people that's talking about religion right now and even talking about history right now when God wants you to be an eyewitness of what Jesus did to you. If you want to defeat the enemy since the kingdom is suffering violence, stop fighting the enemy with natural weapons. You need to speak of the things that you hear and the things that you see about Jesus. What did God do in your life? What did you see him do? Well, he picked me up and he turned me around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus said. If you can't say nothing else about Jesus, talk about how he changed your mind. You know you used to club. You know you used to go out. You know you, what did you used to do. And if you're still doing the things that you used to do, you may not know Jesus because he'll snatch you out of what you used to do and give you a new walk and a new talk and a new way of doing things. Somebody say, man, you can't pack everything through this. This is the kingdom of God. When you get there, you got to understand straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. You can't bring anything through this gate. I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I feel good in my soul. Hallelujah. The Lord gave me this message. He spoke to me. Tell them, devil can't have my stuff. Say that. Devil can't have my stuff. The way he gets your stuff is to get your mind first. If he gets your mind, he can walk through your house and pick what he wants. If he gets you drunk or you on a stupor, you won't know who came in your house. 
That's what he does. He woos you into a stupor somewhere where you forget that he's the devil. You start playing with him and he goes in, snatch out your husband and snatch out your wife and snatch out your oldest child, snatch out your daughter. But today I'm decreeing and declaring the devil can't have my stuff. Glory, hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus answered and said, go and tell John the things which you heard and you hear and see. Verse 5, and the blind see. There's luminosity. And the lame walk. There's mobility. And the lepers are cleansed. There's sanctification. And the deaf hear. He opened me up. Abatha. And the dead are raised. Good God. Resurrection power. I want you to talk about these things. And this is the key to the kingdom. A lot of us are trying to beat the devil at his own game. This is the world. That's what they asked Scarface in the movie. What do you want? He said, I want the world, Chico. And a lot of people are going after the world. You don't need the world. We're passing through. We're pilgrims passing through. We go through Baca, but we don't stay there. We go through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't stay there. We go through mountaintop experiences, but we don't stay there. Eventually, we set our eyes beyond the hills from which comes our help. For our help comes from the Lord. And he's coming back for his people. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind see. Luminosity. Revelation knowledge. The blind begin to see. He opened my mind. I begin to see it. I begin to perceive. I think Paul says it in Ephesians 1. That he opens the eyes of my understanding. Glory to God. The eyes of my understanding are enlightened. And then the lame walk. Those who have no mobility are able to function. Glory to God. Hallelujah. No spiritual, physical, or emotional crutches. There are people like to go and get rid of the physical crutch, but you can have some emotional crutches. People got to tell you, got to compliment you, or you forget it. People got to tell you you're fine, or you stop coming to church. I'm preaching good. Lepers are cleansed. There has to be a sanctification. If you're not with God, if you're with God and you're still doing what you used to do, I will challenge the leper in you. The Hansen disease, actually the longer leprosy is on a man, the less he can feel. It attacks the nervous system, which means you don't have a conscience anymore spiritually. You know things are wrong, but you will continue to do it until you can't feel that quickening in your soul. That's why a leper can have their hand over fire and you have to snatch it. Say, didn't you feel that? Oh, I didn't notice it. Because the, the feeling goes when leprosy is there. And if you hang out with these things too long, you'll stop feeling the presence of God even when he convicts. Look at verse 6, and blessed is he who is not offended. Notice what Jesus said. Tell him, blessed is he who's not offended because I showed up. Kingdom now. Blessed is he who doesn't get offended when the kingdom advances. Now, you're looking for the kingdom advance. It doesn't just advance because souls are saved. 
those in the kingdom, you'll start seeing them gain property and influence. You'll start seeing God do things in their life and you can get offended. Jesus, the fire is falling on his ministry. Everybody that's connected with him, they're going back to their businesses and they're flourishing. They're going home and light is in the home. And if there's a demon, they cast it out. Man, I'm preaching now. And when you go home today, I want you to cast out the devil. Tell him, devil, you can't have my stuff. They're going to think you're crazy, especially if they ain't been in the light in a long while. They haven't been around the scripture. You step up in, devil, you can't have my stuff. They're say, what's wrong with mama? What's going on with her? What's happening? What's going on? You have to be so loud. Tell that devil to shut down. I need to get the devil out of my house. You can't have my stuff. There's a song by Queen uh, Naja, War Cry, and it reads like this. Our people are dying slowly every day. The enemy's trying, attacking every way he can. We got to fight. We got to fight. We got to fight. You see it in this generation, materialism, materialistic, shallow the minds of these innocent children. Yay, we got to fight, we got to fight, we got to fight. Oh, you see the fame and the drugs, the money, the lust, the violence, the hatred. We must bleed the blood of Jesus. We got to fight, we got to fight, we got to fight. Oh, and I say, devil, you can't have my mind. Devil, you can't have my mind. Devil, you can't have my soul. Devil, you can't have my soul. I belong to God and I'm fighting you off with the power of the Holy Ghost. I say, devil, you can't have my mind. No, devil, you can't have my soul. I belong to God and I'm fighting you off with the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. You may want to look at that and listen to that song. It's the war cry by Queen Naja, N-A-I-J-A. When I heard the lyrics of this song, I thought I'd put it out of there, because put it out there for you so you can get this in your soul. And while you're fighting the devil, you need a little mantra in you. I got to fight. I got to fight. I got to fight for my mind. I got to fight for my soul. I can't let him take my mind off somewhere and cause me to drift from the path that I know he has me on. He almost did it for John, but and he's, he'll do it for you if you don't have the word of the Lord in your heart. Don't allow yourself to be offended when the kingdom advance. For you to live is Christ and to die is vain. There are six things the devil want you wants for your life. There are six things the devil wants for your life. Number one, he wants you to plead the blood. Things happen. Then he wants you to be so grandiose. That you, you know, I don't need, I don't need to hear anything scientists are saying. I don't need to do any of that. You know, I got Jesus. Well, we're in hurricane season. If you got Jesus that much, hurricanes are going to come off the shores here, possibly this year. Are you going to board up your house or no? Why don't you stand out there and rebuke the wind then? 
We do rebuke the wind, but we also listen to the prognosticators who tell us you need to buy some extra food and make sure you have a few weeks of goods so you can survive. And you haven't lost your faith when you follow that kind of dictate. It's wisdom and it's love. And especially if you have people that are, uh, that are weak in their body or lame, glory to God, in their feet, you want to make sure you cover them. Your faith will make you well. Have you noticed that those of us that have faith, we still go to work? <laughs> we know God is our provider, but we still do what? We go to work. I think God wants us to transition into being entrepreneurs, but God wants you to go to work. You can't sit there and just decree the blood. There has to be something practical in the area. Thank you, God. Six things the devil wants you, wants for your life. Number one, he wants you to doubt God. In John chapter 20, the disciples shouted they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, but not doubting Thomas. I didn't see that. I need to see it before I believe it. When the devil tempts you, he tempts you to doubt God. That's one of the things he does. He can't have your stuff. He will get your stuff if you start doubting God. I want to encourage you, please write it there, write in your notes, stop doubting God and believe. You'll stop the enemy as it relates in his tracks to try to get you to stop, to doubt God because people that doubt God start trusting in their own emotions. Number two, the enemy wants you to fear. He wants you to live in fear. Fear is not the absence of faith. It is the in misplacement of faith. It is the misplacement of faith. I do believe that God has designed faith to superimpose itself over fear. I call it its reverse. But I'm changing up here a little bit because I want you to get this. It misplaces your, your faith. And if the enemy can just get your faith off its aim, he's done a good job on your faith. You want your faith to keep its, its accuracy. If he, can, if he can cloud the lens of your faith and you still miss the target, he's done his job. So for you to live in fear is a ploy of the enemy. But walk in wisdom. For the live is Christ and the die is gain. Life in Christ is life. There is no life in fear. Psalm 34 and 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. So what is the remedy for fear? You must seek God. You don't just say, I'm not afraid. <laughs> you got to seek God. And he will deliver you from all of your fears. Number three. The enemy is after you feeling insecure. I can go into this pretty deep, but I don't need to go into it deep. Hear the word. Insecurity. And ladies, he really attacks you there. 
Because even now in the natural, it's hard sometimes to feel secure, especially if money is funny and you don't have a husband in your house. And if he is there, he needs to be awakened. He can't be a couch potato. He can't be sitting around drinking mint julep and bad mouth in this country. He has to be on point. He's got to live in the moment. And that's why it's important now. He has to be able to have a conversation. He's got to be able to cut a steak right. We ain't in the caveman. He's not going to grab a steak and just chew on it. He needs to have some finesse, right? Because you'll be looking at him and say, I feel so alone. The enemy wants us to feel insecure. I can add to that insignificant. That's the man's part. Men feel a lot of time that they're insignificant, especially when you're a strong lady. You're an every woman. It's all in me. Anything you want done, baby. That's the kind of ladies we're raising up today. I'm every woman. It's all in me. I don't need no man. Well, the man then feels insignificant. The lady feels insecure. Guess who's sitting at the table serving everybody? Serve you some insecurity, serve you some insignificance, and then you're in the same house, but I put a divide in you. Just like Jesus and John is in the same city, and the enemies tried to divide them. We could be in the same house, the same church, even in the same heart. You'll see it with your children, and the children can divide. Well, the parents can be divided. Child is trying to be uniting, and we let the enemy snatch them out. Don't let the devil tell you that you're unloved or not good enough. I don't care what you feel. You need to resist that, that, that voice from the enemy that you're not loved and you're no good. You're not good enough. If you don't have a significant other right now, it means God is shaping them for you. They weren't good enough. The ones you picked. So let him form the man. Eve ain't got nothing to do with that. Let God form him. You can't tell him, God, make him this way. Stretch out that leg a little bit. I want him a different color. I want him longer. You have nothing to say about how he forms it. You sit over there. Let God work it out. Go to sleep. Let God form him. And when he presents him to you, you'll say, thank you, Jesus. Because he know exactly what you need. You're God's handiwork in Christ, so let God work on you. But don't let the enemy tell you you're insignificant. Or let him work insecurity in your heart. You need more money? Say, God, I need more money. But I'm not going to be insecure. I need more flow. God, you know I'm tight right now. Go ahead and say that. But don't say that you're insignificant. That's the ploy of the enemy. And don't let anything offend you as it relates to Jesus. Here's number four. Please write it down. The enemy wants you to avoid church. This is what he wants. For you to say church Age is over. We don't need to do that no more. Why? Because a demonic spirit called Corona told you that? 
that the church age is over because we got technology? No. Even our education, notice what everybody's trying. We got to get the schools open. I believe the schools need to come open, but we need to be smart in how we do that. But look at that because they know that if our kids are only getting educated through computer screens, they won't develop social skills. And you think about the next 10 years with kids that's smart with no social skills. And everybody's on numbers. And you don't know how to relate to people. You feel nothing for them. You feel more for a game than you do human beings. The Bible even says that their hearts will be like beasts. Help me, Jesus. That means they can write, take their pen, strike to your name without feeling anything. They could care less that that's going to affect your wealth, that it's going to affect generations. There ain't no money for you, no inheritance for you or your kids. They can wipe you out. And, and they may look like you be the same color as you. Because communication this way is cold. And God needs the church to breathe warmly. And even if we're blocked by corona, don't listen to this lie of the enemy that the church has lost its power and we need to avoid organized religion. Who told you that? Glory to God. That's like telling me or telling God Israel has lost its purpose. Really? And there's a whole lot of Israelis who don't love Jesus. Are you willing to go on the map and say Israel has lost its purpose as you look at the scripture? You better read Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11. God says if I broke off the natural branch to bring you in, how much more when I restore the natural branch? You better get your mind together if you're listening to the world tell you that the church age is over. You're not reading the scripture and the enemy is trying to divide the house. The more uninvolved you become with the body of Christ, the harder it is to persevere in your faith. The more you separate and push back on the body, the more cancerous you become. It isn't easy to follow Jesus in this world, especially in a world that doesn't. We're not supposed to be friends with the world and can't stand clean church people. When we leave the community of the church, we were made for, we're destined to be devoured. Let me say again, when we leave the community of the church that we were destined we were made destined for, we're then destined to be devoured. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the last one. No, here's the fifth one. The enemy wants you to be led astray. The Bible says we can be led astray with every wind of doctrine, Ephesians chapter 4. That's what his plan is. Watch out for false prophets. Scripture says false prophets will rise. Well, that means you should be able to point at some. They're on television. They're talking to you every day. 
If there are many, that means you should be able to look. If I said there are many doctors, you don't know one. There are many lawyers, you don't know one. There are many prostitutes, you can point at one. There are many business owners right down the street. He said there are many in the last days. There will be many, a proliferation of false prophets. Can you point at several? You should be able to identify them. They come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, ferocious wolves. They even come to you in predator lending. They don't just come to you about your faith. They want you to have a whole lot of interest rate, whole lot, whole big old, big old interest rate on your car loan. I just got to be blessed, Bishop. I deserve it. A 20% interest payment? 70 months for a car? Buy a house, baby. When we rely on the word for men and not on the word of God, we may be falling, going astray. And here's the last one. The enemy wants you to straight up fail. He doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to destroy. He wants to destroy us. The thief cometh not both to kill, steal, and to what? Destroy. But I've come that you might, that's John 10, that you might have life and life more abundantly. He wants us to settle for what the world has for us. He wants us to settle for what the world is offering us. He wants us to settle for what the world has to offer us at our lot. To accept that as, as our lot in life. But I like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10. We're hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our body, around in our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in the body. The enemy would like to pervert that. The enemy wants you to, to carry around the death of friendships in your body. The hurt of a relationship in your mind. Sickness in your body. So that the life of Christ will never ever be revealed. You must say to the enemy, you can't have my stuff. You can't take what I was destined to carry for Jesus and put something else in that package. You want me to carry my own burdens. No, he told me to cast that on you, on him. You want me to carry unforgiveness around and allow unforgiveness to dictate how I flow. No, I'm not doing that. But I am going to carry around the death of Jesus. I'm going to carry the cross, the redemptive work of the Lord, so that the life of Christ may also be revealed in this same body. If you die with him, you will live with him. When you feel like you're going to lose, take heart. Jesus has already won it for you. I don't want to be devoured. 
And I don't believe you want to be devoured as well. Stop doubting and only believe. If you don't want to be eaten up by the enemy, because he will take you apart one piece by piece, make sure you stop doubting and only believe. I don't have time to talk to you about Lucifer, the shining one, and his plan. But I want you to read it in your leisure. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15. And it speaks about Satan shining. Some of us, we're attracted to shining concepts, shining behaviors, newness, phrases, concepts. And it's luring us away from the enemy. In fact, the Bible records that God actually created a powerful, intelligent, and beautiful angelic being. The chief among the angels. His name was Lucifer. The shining one. Another word for shining is brilliance or information or revelation knowledge. Be careful with it. Lucifer also had a will to see his throne exalted. I will be like the Most High. Verse 12 says, How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, the son of the morning? He loves to take you. The innocence from your morning and whoever controls your morning will be Lord of your day. Give a portion of that time to the Lord. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken not just people, you weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to show to the lowest depths. Of the pit. You need to be with me at 11 o'clock as I continue with this message. I'm going to do a message entitled, Devil, You Can't Have My Body, You Can't Have My Mind, You Can't Have My Legacy. Father, I give you praise, glory, and honor for this message. Father, I thank you for the inspiration of us holding up. Not allowing the enemy to crush us by causing us to doubt you. I can see the struggle for John in prison as a type of corona arrested him after all he did for you. It eventually led to his death. So much so, he was complex so much that he wondered was Christ the one, the shining one? Or should we look for another? I pray now that you will protect the heart, the mind, the soul, and the legacy of your people. 
while going through dark tunnels. I thank you, God, for allowing your light to shine, not from the tunnel, but from the inside out. We close the door to demonic trafficking. We shut doors, influences, songs, assemblies, concepts that block our view of you. We will not carry in our body the dying of people. We will carry the dying of the Lord, redemption, that the life of Christ may also be revealed in the same body. So heal the hurts, the cracks, which are open doors for the enemy. Heal the cracks and the, and, and the, the tearing that's going on in our soul, in our mind, hearts, and our bodies. And Father, when you heal us, the enemy will not be able to come through these doors and cracks and windows any longer. I give you praise. I thank you. I even now I pray that you would save those who are on the periphery. The enemy is plucking them off by leaps and bounds. And I thank you for drawing your people closer to the fire, to the core. I give you praise that there is no gap in the church. The devil would not divide John, followers of John and followers of Jesus. The followers of John will begin to testify of what they hear and they see. That one house... It will be one house. So I thank you, God, that the prodigal is coming home. I give you praise that the princess is coming home. I thank you that sons and daughters will also rally around the purpose of God. There will be no division in the house of the Lord. Corona will not have its way. It will not divide us as a nation. It will not divide us as a church. It will not divide our community. I block it. I prophesy against it. I come against the enemy of division. And I thank you and decree and declare unity to the body all over the world. Thank you for that, God. We honor you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.